it. We'll do this again Sunday. But how many of y'all are glad they're with us anyway? Amen? Amen. Maybe they're watching by live stream. You are in. Amen. Uh, okay, James chapter number 4. If you're here for the first time on Wednesday night, we're tickled to death that you're here. What we do is just a old-fashioned Bible study. Just verse by verse we go through and, and study God's Word and learn and grow and glean and do all that stuff. And it's really cool, is it not? Really cool. Now, usually we stick in and stay in the book and in the chapter that we are particularly studying. Uh, but for tonight, we're going to do something just a little different. We're going to start there. We're going to start in James chapter number four. Uh, but I, I felt like we needed to go a little bit in depth, even more than just the two verses that are covered in James chapter number four for the subject that we are dealing with. How many of you have ever heard somebody say, or maybe you've used this terminology, don't judge me. Or if, if somebody's confronted with truth, or if you say, uh, if you, say you know, the, uh, the Bible says that we shouldn't do, or we should do, and this is the phrase, God says, you're not to judge me. I, I, I've, I've heard that till I'm, I'm, I'm about sick of hearing that. Now, there's, there's some truth to the way they are laying it out, but to most of the time, the people who use that phrase have no clue what they're talking about. Zero understanding of Matthew chapter number 7. So we're going to start in James chapter number 4, and then we're going to go over to Matthew chapter number 7 and talk about what did Jesus mean when he said, Judge not, lest ye be judged. What did he mean? What was he talking about? Uh, what truth can we glean from there? There was, there was several areas I really wanted to go tonight. Also go to Romans chapter number 14, where it talks about uh, opinions and preferences. And, and uh, right here, we're talking about judging sinners. But over there, we're talking about judging each other. You know, it, it's one thing to judge sinners and things that are black and white, but it's another thing to judge each other on the gray areas. Are y'all with me? So, so y'all pray for me. That, that Lord's willing, maybe God will let us go over that way uh, 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 in Romans chapter number 14 next week, which would be a great study, a great study, uh, because what you think might be wrong, uh, it, it may be for you, but not for me. Uh-huh. How many times do we find people judging each other by their own preferences and convictions? Anyway, y'all won't know that come next week. All right, James 4, verse number 11. James 4, verse 11. If you found your spot, say amen. amen. And then we're going to flip over. Then we're going to flip over to uh, Matthew chapter 7. But we'll just read these two and you can sit down and then we'll, we'll jump on over there, okay? Matt, uh, James 4, verse number 11. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. How many of y'all know there ain't a person in here that's a judge? We're not even qualified. We shouldn't be. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who art thou that judges another? Uh, we have James dealing particularly with criticism in the church. People being critical to each other. People being judgmental toward each other. People being harsh toward each other. And basically what he's saying is, cut that out. Don't talk evil with each other. Don't criticize each other. Don't come against each other that way. Most of the time, criticism is just a veiled effort to make yourself look good by making someone else look bad. And most of the time, that comes from weak people. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So he said, let's don't do that. Let's don't do that. Let's don't judge one another. Let's don't, let's don't criticize one another. Let's not, let's not speak evil one with another. Now, uh, that, that is basic. That is, that is just a truth that is this obvious that I don't really need to go into great detail about saying we shouldn't be mean to each other. Amen. I mean, our mama told us a long time ago, if you don't have something good to say, so, so I don't think I need to deal with that in, in great detail. 
But I believe God wants us to use that as a platform for the truth that we're going to learn tonight. He says don't judge, and we can go over to Matthew 7, which we're going to do in just a second. But what does he mean by that? What does he mean by that? Does that mean, does that, mean that, that, that I can just do anything I want to do and, and, and I can say, don't judge me? But that's what's being done. I can do anything. I can believe anything. I can, I can say anything. I can behave in any other way. And God tells you not to judge me. Does, is that really what Jesus meant? Well, let's find out. Let's find out. Are you with me? Say amen. Lord Jesus, help us, to, help us to just understand. I pray that you will enlighten us tonight. I pray that you will illuminate our minds to the truth of your word. God, I know that your word will never return void. And, and, and Lord, your word is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And, and Lord, I pray that you will just speak to our hearts and go to the depths of our soul. And, and Lord, help us to glean from your word and learn, not so we can be smarter, but, Lord, so we can be better. Lord, not just so we can say we have more information in our brain, but that we can behave more like Jesus out in this world. God, I pray for your perfect will be done tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. While you're being seated, flip on over there to Matthew chapter number 7. Flip on over there to Matthew chapter number 7. <clears throat> We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go through most of this chapter and really, really discuss what Jesus was talking about in this chapter. And, and Lord's willing, I really do. I hope God will let me do this. I, 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 we're going to also go over maybe next week, if we can get done with this this week, uh, uh, next week and deal with Romans uh, chapter number 14 when, when people are judging um, in, in, with their own opinions and convictions, uh, Christian with Christian. But here, in this particular chapter, Jesus is dealing with Pharisees. He's dealing with a hypocritical crowd. He's dealing with a bunch of people uh, who are self-righteous and who are looking down on everybody else and thinking they're something and everybody else is nothing. They even classified groups of people by their behavior and called them sinners. Y'all remember when uh, 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 Jesus was being criticized? He said, this man receiveth sinners. He eateth with publicans and sinners. Well, that was a class of people. That was a class of people that they thought they were above, having no idea they were sinners too. Well, this is who Jesus is speaking to. This is who he is addressing and he's talking to. So in, in Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 1, look what it says. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye mean, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Now, now remember, Jesus was a carpenter. And he's using language and terminology uh, that he was familiar with, that he would, he would uh, be able to apply and illustrate to the crowd he was talking to. Jesus knew something about sawdust. Jesus knew something about boards and, and, and wood and that type of thing. And what he is saying here, that moat represents a small speck. In other words, a piece of sawdust in your eye. He, and, and, and this is the way he, he says it. He says, you're worried about a piece of sawdust in somebody else's eye while you got a two-by-four sticking out your forehead. Y'all with me? Now, he, now, don't ever think that Jesus could not utilize sarcasm. You got to know that part of this crowd here is tripping out right now. They are laughing because he's mocking the Pharisees. I mean, the sinners are laughing right now. Say amen. You got, you got, a, you got a board sticking out of your eye, and you're worried about this man's... Really? Watch what he says. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Hey, let me pull out that mode out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Can y'all can y'all see this? Thou hypocrite. First cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, 
neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Verse number 6 is the balance of verses 1 through 5. The problem with most Christians today, the problem with most churches today, the problem with religion today is the problem with balance. We as people, we as humans have this crazy, crazy habit of going to extremes with everything. Are y'all with me? You remember, you remember when, when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet and, 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 and Peter said, you ain't washing my feet? That's one extreme. Jesus said, if I wash not your feet, you have no part with me. He said, all right, wash me from head to toe. Yeah. And then he goes to another extreme. And this is what we do. This is what we do. We, we can't be balanced. Well, listen, the extremes that we're talking about here is on one hand, we've got a, a self-righteous, pharisaical, harsh, critical, rude, mean-spirited, judging everybody. And God said, don't do that. But on the other hand, we have a group of people who would take these same verses and say, this means I can do anything I want and you can't judge me. I can live any way I want. I can have any lifestyle I want. I can behave in any way I want. And God says, you can't judge me. So we go from a critical, mean-spirited attitude to a permissiveness. I mean, just an ultra-permissive that everything goes. And guess what? Neither one of them are right. Neither one of them are right. So what did he mean? What did he mean? Listen, when James was talking in, in James chapter 4, he was not forbidding us to use discrimination or even to evaluate people. Christians need to have discernment. Say amen. amen. It says in Philippians 1, 9, And this I pray you, that ye, your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Judgment. That ye may approve things that are excellent. That ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Now watch. We must, we must, here's, here's the thing. In our judgment, we must not act like God in passing judgment. We must first examine our own lives and then try to help others. And that's what we're going to deal with tonight in Matthew 7. We never know all the facts in a case. And we certainly never know the motives that are at work in men's hearts. To speak evil of a brother and to judge a brother on the basis of partial evidence and probably an unkind motive, because that's usually uh, where criticism comes from, is an unkind motive. To sin is to sin against him and against God. We're not called to be judges. God is the only judge. He is patient and understanding. His judgments are just and holy. We can leave the matter with him. Say amen. amen. Now watch this. Watch this. Either, either we're, we're mean-spirited, either we're, we're self-righteously judgmental, uh, 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 criticizing others, or permissiveness abounds, that, that, that you can't judge me, I can behave, do anything I want. Rick Warren, here's a, here's a quote from Rick Warren. This is really good, especially in the hour we're living in today. Our culture, our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do, and both of them are nonsense. Are y'all with me? Now, where, where's the balance? Where's the balance? Now, remember, remember in Matthew 7, we got to, in order to understand what he's teaching, you got to understand the context, excuse me, the context and why he's saying what he's saying. The scribes and Pharisees were guilty of exercising a false judgment about themselves, other people, and even the Lord. Their false righteousness helped to encourage their false judgment. This explains why our Lord closed this important sermon with a discussion of judgment, talking about the Sermon on the Mount, with a discussion of judgment. In it, he discussed two different types of judgment. Now, let's look at this. Let's look at this. What does he say, what does he say when it comes to judgment? And I, and I put at the top, top of your page there, Christian judgment. 
What does Jesus say when it comes to Christian judgment? How we should judge or who we should judge, what we should judge, whatever it, whatever it comes to in that manner. And, and, and you say, well, why? He just said, judge not. But look what he says down in verse number 6. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. All right, in this one verse, he has dogs, he has swine, in, in, a, in, a, in a, a verse coming up, we're going to find out he's talking about uh, wolves and sheep's clothing. Now, you tell me, how are we going to distinguish who them are if we don't use some judgment? Y'all with me? Now, now uh, uh, most people would say him calling someone a dog or him calling someone a swine or a wolf in sheep's clothing, he's being judgmental. But how many of y'all know if Jesus does it, it's okay. He is our example in life. He teaches us how to live. He teaches us how to walk. He is what we are to be. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now watch. In judgment, the first thing that has to happen, number one, we must judge ourselves. So the first thing I want you to write down is this. First judgment he talks about is the judgment of ourselves. In other words, in other words, to put this plainly, before you put someone else under a microscope, put yourself under a microscope. Are y'all with me? Now watch. The first principle of judgment is this. We begin with ourselves. Jesus did not forbid us to judge others, for careful discrimination is essential in the Christian life. Christian love is not blind. Underline that right there. Underline that right there. Christian love is not blind. We don't just walk around with blinders on thinking everything's all right and sing kumbaya. Say amen. amen. He expects you to mature, expects you to grow and learn and, and find some discernment. Christian love is not blind. But before we judge others, we must judge ourselves. There are several reasons why. A, why should we judge ourselves before we judge someone else? A, because we shall be judged. We shall be judged. Look what it says in verse number one. Judge not, lest ye be not judged. Or excuse me, that ye be not judged. Now, the context and the tense of this verb, judge, signifies a once and for all judgment. If we first judge ourselves, then we are preparing for that final judgment when we face God. The Pharisees played God as they condemned other people, but they never considered that God would one day judge them. What does that mean? What, basically what he's saying is this. Don't forget, when you're trying to pass judgment on somebody else, when you're, when you're trying to do all of that and, and you're living the life of a hypocrite, don't forget, one day you're standing before God. You see, these Pharisees were trying to play God not understanding that one day they're going to stand before God. So, why do we judge ourselves? Why do we put ourselves under a microscope? Why do we come before God and do as the psalmist said and say, God, examine me. Search me, O God, and know me. See if there be any wicked way in me. Why do we do this kind of uh, activity in our own life? Why do we always come before God to make sure we're clean? Because one day we're going to be judged. Number two, or B. Not only we shall be judged, but verse number two, we are being judged. We are being judged. Look what it says. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Now, the parallel passage to this is in Luke six thirty-seven. Not only will God judge us at the end, but people are also judging us right now. We receive from people exactly what we give. The kind of judgment and the measure of judgment comes right back to us. We reap what we have sown. Look what it says in Luke 6. This is the parallel verse. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. What is that saying? Whatever you want, that's what you need to give. Because what you give, that's what's coming back. Are y'all with me? This little fellow, this little boy went to a cave. 
He didn't know nothing about caves. He's a little old bitty fella. And he went to a cave and he said, hello in there. And he heard, hello in there. He said, wow, there's another little boy in there. He said, what's your name? He heard, what's your name? Answer me. Answer me. Now he's getting mad. You're mean. You're mean. I hate you. I hate you. Now he's all tore out the frame. He runs home to his mama. His mama says, son, what are you doing? Mama, mama, mama. I was down at the cave and there's a mean boy in there. He told him everything that happened, everything he said and what was said back. His mama understands what's happening. He said, well, son, tomorrow, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to that cave. And I want you to tell something nice to that little boy. So he goes to the cave. He says, hey. He hears, hey. I like you. You know what he heard? You're nice. Y'all need to get with it, people. You're nice. I want you to be my friend. You know what he learned? Whatever he gave came back to it. Do you find yourself in a cycle where people are always being rude to you? I figured you'd get quiet. Maybe what you've been sending out is coming home. Point C. Yes, we like that, don't we? Basically, what Jesus is saying when you when you when you put your when you put your your your, 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 your judge robe on, remember what you fixing to dish out is coming back. So remember, so remember, when you go to be real harsh with somebody that you, you and, and let me say this, let me say this, you might be correct in your assessment. But remember, it's coming back. It's coming back. Y'all with me say amen? amen. Listen, guys, let me just warn you, go ahead and put your seatbelt on because it don't get no easier from here. We are being judged. What we send out comes back. What we sow, we reap. He says, if you want forgiveness, give forgiveness. If you want mercy, give mercy. If you want love, give love. If you want kindness, give kindness. Are y'all with me? C. And this is the deal. This is the deal. This, this proves, this right here proves that it's not a totally permissive thing and, and God, he, he doesn't expect us to judge anything. That's a lie. This proves it. Watch this. Look what it says in verse number 3. Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out thy mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Watch here. Here it is, verse 5. Verse 5 and 6 really prove it. Thou hypocrite, first, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then, and then, Shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye. You know what Jesus is saying there? He says, I'm not saying that you shouldn't help a brother out with his moat. Because how many times do we find in the New Testament about admonish one another? Provoke one another. Y'all with me? He's not saying, hey, hey, just ignore the moat. He says, I think you need to help your brother with his moat. But don't forget about your issue. Why are you moat hunting? Amen? Isn't it amazing that we have an uncanny ability to see the sin in our neighbor that's so glaring in our own life? And most of the time, the sin that we're worried about in our neighbor's life is nowhere near the sin that's in our own life. 
and it'll come back. I was I was kind of hesitant. I was kind of hesitant about uh, about saying this because I, I I I don't I don't want to be I don't want to be that type. But when God really started working in my heart and my life to change some things at Temple, change format. You know how we we did the Sunday night service and life groups and and started incorporating a little more uh, contemporary type music and that type of thing. Boy, I had people. I was the Antichrist. And there was one particular individual that was just running them jaws. If I'd have been a deacon, I'd have punched him right in the face. Say amen. And I'd have prayed about it, and the Lord would have said, that's right. I'd, no, I'm kidding. He wouldn't have said that. I was so frustrated. I'm thinking, dude, you don't even know me. You don't even know. Never been in this building. Never been on this property. But just running them jaws. Criticizing us, criticizing me, just doing all this kind of stuff. And boy, he had, he, had, he had people listening too. Until it was revealed that he was having an affair the whole time. And it come out, and now it's a mess. Be, be careful with that person that's always finding what's wrong with everybody else. Because usually, they're hiding. Now, now, you tell me, what's, what's worse, the beam or the moat? The, the speck, the, the, the sawdust, or the two-by-four? And you know what Jesus is saying here? He says, listen, we need to clean up around our own porch. And we need to, we need to deal with our own issues, not, not, just so, not just because they need dealing with, but so you can help out a brother. God wants us to help out somebody. God wants us to encourage each other. God wants us to admonish each other. God wants us to be able to come to a brother. If I see Brother Doyle doing something that's detrimental to his marriage or his family or his ministry, God wants me to come to him and be able to confront him and say, Brother Doyle, this is not kosher. This is not going to work. But God doesn't want me doing that if what I'm doing in my life is worse than what he's doing in his life. Because all that does is make me a hypocrite. Now, it's amazing that we get all up in arms with the culture and what's happening and, 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 and what they're trying to, to, trying to push today in the culture and agenda of our world. But, but we, we, we allow other things in our life. And, and, and when this world sees us, when we come against what they're doing, it makes us a hypocrite. Well, you say you're against this, but you sure allow this over here. Amen? What's that mean? The purpose of self-judgment is to prepare us to serve others. Christians are obligated to help each other grow in grace. When we do not judge ourselves, we not only hurt ourselves, but we also hurt those whom we could minister. The Pharisees judged and criticized others to make themselves look good. But Christians should judge themselves so that they can help others look good. Underline that. Underline that, if you will. The Pharisees judged and criticized others to make themselves look good, but Christians should judge themselves so they can make others look good. You see the motive behind that? You see the true motive behind judging? What, what, what Jesus is, is really targeting and what Jesus is really attacking here is those that are judging others trying to make themselves look good. He says, that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not the way it's supposed to be. You don't admonish somebody so, so you could let them see how pitiful they are and how spiritual and righteous you are. But that happens a lot. Anytime that you encourage somebody or anytime you confront somebody or admonish somebody that way, it should always be for their betterment. There was a, there was a preacher that was, was, was uh, doing some things. And when I say this, I'm not talking about not out in sin or anything like that, but just, 
just doing some things that if he would do it just a little different, he would get much more success and productivity out of his ministry. Does that make sense? I don't want to go into every detail, but y'all know what I'm saying by that. In other words, uh, it, 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 I could say, hey, if you'll do this, 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 and change this around just a little bit, man, you will see a great tremendous. And, and I was afraid to address this situation because how many of y'all know preachers are temperamental? And the last one that wants to be corrected is the preacher. Sometimes. Until they get older and then they realize, we're so dumb, we need all the help we can get. Say amen. So, but it's still hard. And, and you know, honestly, if we're we're all honest, it's not just the preacher that struggles with that. But anyway, I was was realizing, man, I need to tell him this. I I really need to. And and so I called called, uh, one one of the the mentors that I had, and, and I said, hey, man, uh, let me ask you a question. And I said, brother, so-and-so, I, I got some things he, we, we've, we've talked, and, and, and there's some things that if he could just, just do it a little bit different, uh, it would really, really help him. And, and, and this is what he said. I said, should I say it or should I just mind my own business? And this is, what, this is what he said. He said two things. He said, number one, will it help him? And number two, do you love him? And I thought, hmm. Now think about that. I think that is a, I think that is a good, uh, that is something good we ought to write down right there, that if we're going to admonish somebody, technically, if you want to use terminology, judge them. The question is, do you love them and will it help them? If it, neither one of them can be answered, keep your mouth shut. Are you all with me? Now, we're here to help others. After we have judged ourselves honestly before God and have removed those things that blind us, then we can help others and properly judge their works. But if we know there's sin in our lives and we try to help others, we become a hypocrite. A hypocrite. Well, now, now, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Let, let's, let's, let's mow our grass before we talk about the grass across the street. That's simple, isn't it? Let's, 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 let's make sure we come to God with a clear conscience. Let's make, let's make sure we're, we're where we need to be because, because there's nothing worse than a hypocrite. There's nothing worse. And, and let me say this. There's nothing more damaging to the cause of Christ than Christians trying to judge sinners while the Christians are acting the same way. Amen? Now watch this. Let's go into detail number two. First, we see our judgment of ourselves. But then I want you to see our judgment of others. This is really good, guys. I'm telling you, this is really good. Our judgment of others. Christians must exercise discernment. We have to. We have to determine what's right. We have to determine what's wrong. We have to exercise discernment in our Christian life. God says that he didn't want us to be no more uh, children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. We are to use discernment when it comes to doctrine. We are to use discernment when it comes to spiritual leaders. We are to use discernment when it comes to sin. Sin, wickedness. He says you've got to discern what's right and wrong. Now, everyone... For not everyone is a sheep. Some people are dogs or hogs. Well, that'd be a good sermon title, wouldn't it? Are you a dog or a hog? Some are wolves in sheep's clothing. We're going to read about that here in just a minute. We are the Lord's sheep, but this does not mean that we should let people pull the wool over our eyes. Amen? Now watch this. Watch this. Verse number 6. Verse number 6 is the verse that you use. When, when someone says, when you say, listen, the Bible says what you're doing right there is wicked or sinful, let me help you, let me encourage you, and they say, nuh-uh, nuh-uh, Jesus said, don't judge me. You can't, you can't use discernment when it comes to my lifestyle. Well, number six says, says different. Actually, number five does too. Number five does too. It says that you need to help them with that, but make sure you're clear too. That's what verse 5 says. But watch verse 6. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye pearls before swine. 
lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Now watch, now watch. Jesus doesn't end his discussion of judging with the command, judge not. He goes on to say, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you think verses 1 through 5 prohibit any kind of discerning and judgment, you've got a real problem here because you've got to use some kind of criteria to decide who those spiritual dogs and pigs are. Jesus acknowledges the need for making decisions concerning people and behavior that is detrimental to our Christian life. Verse 6, I'll underline this right here. Verse 6 stands as a safeguard against an extreme interpretation of verses 1 through 5. Underline that. Verse 6 stands as a safeguard against an extreme interpretation of verses 1 through 5. It's not the case that Jesus condemns all judging. In fact, he demands that we make some kind of judgment. The command not to judge others doesn't mean that we can't see the sinfulness of certain actions. Now we're never to look down in self-righteous judgment on another sinner, for we have fallen short of the glory of God, but we can recognize sin as sin, and we should never try to justify it. Now, you say, what does that mean, that swine and the dogs and stuff? Uh, a, 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 a priest would never take a sacrifice or the meat that was used in the sacrifice that was holy and it was to God. They would never cast it out to the, to the curs and the, sw- and the dogs or the, the stray dogs. It was holy. It was special. Uh, you wouldn't take pearls. Everybody knows what a pearl is. You wouldn't put it, you wouldn't put it in, the, in the face and in the area where a hog is. A hog cannot appreciate it. A hog doesn't understand the value of a pearl. It would just trample over it. Now, what he is saying is what you have, you have the gospel. You have something that is precious, that has been entrusted to your care, and everybody's not going to accept it. Everybody's not going to know the value of it. Everybody's not going to appreciate it. And what he is saying here is don't give something valuable to somebody who's not going to appreciate it. Now, how are you going to know that unless you judge? Unless you use discernment. In other words... Jesus knew what he was saying and teaching in verses 1 through 5, so he made sure and backed it up with verse number 6. It is a counteraction of verses 1 through 5. Why? Jesus says, blessed are the balance. No, that's not in your Bible, but that's what he implies, all right? We need to be balanced. Yes, we don't need to be judgmental with other people. We don't need to be self-righteous with other people. We don't need to be critical with other people, but we need to be able to discern right from wrong. We need to discern good from bad. We need to be able to pick out wolves in sheep's clothing. Now, now why is that so important? A wolf in sheep's clothing means that he's going to look like a sheep. He's going to walk like a sheep and act like a sheep and talk like a sheep, but he's a stinking wolf. And the only way to discern that is through judgment, showing and operating and applying good judgment. Are you all with me? Say amen. Now watch. This, is, this gets really good. A, A, write this down. <clears throat> the reason, the reason we must judge. Everybody's not good and everything's not good. Are y'all with me? We've got we've to know right from wrong. We've got to know good doctrine from bad doctrine. Good teaching from bad teaching. Good leaders from bad leaders, okay? The reason that we must judge. <clears throat> then B. The resources God gives us. Look what he says. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that he says, don't give what's precious to dogs and swine. Then all of a sudden, he starts talking about prayer. And it it almost seems like it's out of place. Watch what he says. Watch what he says in verse number 7. He says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom, uh, if his son asks bread, will give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good uh, things to them that ask him? Now that sounds like it's out of place. 
But what Jesus is trying to say here is that good discernment you need, that good judgment you need, guess where you're going to get it? Through prayer. You're going to get it through God, through prayer. Watch. Why did our Lord discuss prayer at this point in his message? These verses seem to be an interruption, but they are not. You and I are human and fallible. Would you say amen right there? We all make mistakes. Only God can judge perfectly. Therefore, we must pray and seek his wisdom and direction. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God in James chapter 1, verse 5. Now watch King Solomon. This is a great illustration. Young King Solomon, when he first took the throne, he felt very intimidated. He felt kind of overwhelmed at the responsibility that he had in this great kingdom and, 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 and all of these people and what God has put on his shoulders. And this young king, when he lacked and he needed wisdom to judge Israel, he prayed to God and the Lord graciously answered in uh, 1 Kings chapter 3. If we are to have spiritual discernment, we must keep on asking God, keep on seeking his will, keep on knocking at the door that leads to greater ministry. God meets the needs of his children. In the story with Solomon, uh, Solomon is in prayer and, 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 and listen, he is, he, is, he is committing things to God. And matter of fact, it's right after, it's right after the dedication service of the new temple. And, and, and I mean, he sacrificed like crazy. In other words, he gave such an extravagant offering. It was, it, it was just way beyond the call of duty. It was an incredible amount of sacrifices that he made that way beyond all the other kings. And, 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 and this, is, this is what God said. After he was so generous in his generosity and his sacrifice and, and his giving to God, you know what God said? Ask me anything you want. Go back and look. Ask me anything you want. I see where your heart is. I see your generosity. I see everything that you've done. Now you ask me anything you want. Anything you want. You know what he said? I need discernment. He said, I feel like a child with this big crowd. I feel, I feel so helpless. I feel overwhelmed. And, and he could have asked for riches. He could have asked for power. He could have asked for, for victory over all the enemies. And you know what he said? I want to have sound judgment. I want to have good judgment. Give me the ability to discern right from wrong. And, and God was so tickled. He was so tickled with his response and his answer. He said, because you asked for that, I'm going to give you everything else. What does that say? God wants you to have discernment. God wants you to be able to judge right from wrong. God wants you to exercise sound judgment. And when he asked God for it, God gave it to him. You know what I think we can take from this? We need to pray about everything. How many of y'all have made some poor judgments? Oh, let me ask you, how many of y'all have lied before? You just did. Say amen. How many of y'all believe that God can give you the ability to make good judgment? That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Ask. Seek. Knock. Come to me. I'll give you the ability to discern. I'll give you the ability to choose. Are y'all with me? Now, now watch. Now watch. Now we're talking about in judgment of others. All right? Now watch. We saw the reason that we need to judge. We saw the resources that God gives us to judge. Now watch this. See, verse 12. I want you to see the guiding principle. Man, this is good. The guiding principle that we are to use when we're judging. Let's read verse 12 all together. Therefore, let's all read together. You got it up on the screen? Here we go. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to, for this is the law and the prophets. In other words, say you're Mr. Judge with your, 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 your coat on and, and, and whoever you, you, you're, you're, you're showing judgment with or whatever, they're there. Just remember this. Jesus is saying, don't forget, whatever you're doing to this one, just switch it. Imagine yourself in their shoes. Now judge away. 
Do you remember what we said about judgment earlier? Most judgment comes from a bad motive, from a bitter spirit, from a hateful attitude, from, and, and a lot of times, sometimes from jealousy, insecurity. So, so just remember, when you're fixing to apply judgment, put yourself in their shoes. You treat them how you would want them to treat that needs to be that needs to be the standard guide to judging. Isn't this amazing? See, God does want you to apply discernment, but He He wants you to remember. Put yourself in their shoes. Put yourself at, at the end of this, we're going Jesus is going to give us an illustration. And it's going to be awesome. Because when you see it, you dignified people won't. But you, uh, you, you, you people that saved and you remember what you was when Jesus found you, you may cut a lap. Say amen. How many of y'all are glad Jesus forgives? Watch this. Watch this. The guiding principle. The great truth is a principle that ought to govern our attitudes toward others with anything. It applies to believers and must be practiced in the area of life. The person who practices the golden rule refuses to say or do anything that would harm himself or others. If our judging of others is not governed by this principle, we will become proud and critical and our own spiritual character will degenerate. Are y'all with me? Say amen. D, we saw the reason we must judge. We saw the resources God gives us to judge. We see the guiding principles to our judgment. D, I want you to see the basis for judging. What does Jesus say to look for? He says in verse number 16, Ye shall know them by their fruits. Now, know who? Verse 15, Beware of false prophets that come down or come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Now watch. You have, you have, in, in, in this chapter, I really don't need to get in this because I don't have time, but I want you to go home and look at the three twos. In your studies, in your own, I want you to go look at the three twos. There's two ways. Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Broad is the way, and what, are y'all with me? There's two ways. Then we see, then we see not only two ways, but verses, verses 17 and 18, we see two trees. Two trees, a good one and a bad one. But then at the end of the chapter, you see two houses. One on the sand and one on the rock. You see, the two ways determines the beginning of your walk. The two trees determines your time between salvation and eternity. The two houses represents the two ways out of this thing. Because the storm and the water and, and, and all of that represent judgment. In other words, there's going to be there's going to be there's going to be just two different ways that judgment's going to work out for you. It's either going to be a great calamity and crash, or it's going to last the test of time. Are y'all with me? The three twos. Now, which one do you want? How do we? What do we need to do? Look what he says about the trees. He said, "You shall know them, the right and the wrong." the good and the bad. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather the grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every, even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Verse 20, read it with me. Wherefore, 
I don't, I don't have to listen to your words to judge you. I just have to look for fruit. I, I, don't, I, don't have to, I don't have to. All I have to do is what's being produced in your life? Amen. Let me, let me keep reading. Jesus wasn't saying. We should never assess people with some discrimination. He's saying, look for fruit. That's that's judging. Are y'all with me? That's assessing. That's showing discrimination. That is that is the, listen, seeing what's really there. Jesus wasn't saying we should never assess people with some discrimination, but rather that we should not have a harsh judgmental spirit. John Stott put it this way. This is the way he worded it. It's pretty good. Jesus does not tell us to cease to be men. In other words, by suspending our critical powers, which help to distinguish us from animals. But he says to renounce the presumptuous ambition to be God by setting ourselves up as judges. That's what drives this overly critical attitude. A belief that I can see as God sees. I can see your motives. I can see the way you're thinking, I know all things that have led you to this point in your life. That's what Jesus wants you to eliminate. Are y'all with me? Be careful when you judge somebody's motives. Guess what? You can do the right thing with the wrong motive. And some people have done the wrong thing with the right motive. They meant well, but they didn't know any better. Then there's others, y'all with me? Let's let's be careful. What Jesus is basically saying is this: guys, don't play God. Don't 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 try to play God. Don't don't bring condemnation on something that you don't understand. He says, but you do need to show discernment, and that discernment comes from me. That discernment comes from prayer. It comes from studying the Word. When we see behavior, when we see the fruit, we see the fruit. Now. Let me tell you about Jesus. Now, put your stuff up. Or, well, you can, it don't matter. It don't matter. You can watch it, whatever. Just don't disengage. I got five minutes to give you this last thing, okay? I want you to really soak this in. You don't have to fill in nothing, so you can, you can read what I, it's there. There's a story in the Bible. <clears throat> Jesus, Jesus is ministering. And people are always trying to catch him in something. People are always trying to catch him and trick him up and trip him. And, and, uh, and, and so here he is ministering and, and they come to him and they're dragging, they're dragging this poor woman, probably nude, probably, probably wrapped in the sheet that, that, that she was in because they caught her in the very act of adultery. I believe there's a whole lot more to this story than the Pharisees that, uh, uh, I, I don't know. I'm not going to speculate, but there's a whole lot more to it than what meets the eye. Because they are trying to use this woman as an object to try to trip up Christ. They didn't care about her. They didn't care about her life. They didn't care about who she was. They didn't care about her background. They didn't care about why she was in the situation that she was in. They didn't care nothing about her. All they cared about was using her as a weapon to try to defeat Christ. In other words, they are the epitome of what Jesus was talking about right here. They throw her down at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus, he kneels down and he writes in the sand. And there's all kind of speculation there. What did he write? It does not say. Don't speculate. Some say that he wrote their sins. I've heard, pe- I've heard people say that he wrote when them men were with this same woman. Because some, some scholars believe that terminology uh, when it says, you that are without sin cast the first stone, it's in reference to that same sin. In other words, these guys who were committing adultery, 
wanted to stone this woman who had committed adultery. But irregardless, he writes in the sand. He writes in the sand. And, and I, I believe there's probably, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What, what does the law say? What are you going to do? You going to? So as he began to write in the sand, this is what he said. You that are without sin, you throw the first one. You throw the first one. Now, y'all know the story. Y'all know the story. Rocks begin to hit the ground, and, 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 and here this woman is, probably weeping, probably hysterical because she knows she's fixing to be stoned. I mean, this is not going to end well for her. She knows that she's fixing to lose her life. And Jesus looks up, stones are hitting the ground, they all leave, and there's nobody there but her and Jesus. Now, you remember, I'm taking this and using this illustration as what Jesus would do. We are to do what Jesus would do, right? Jesus says, where are thine accusers? She looks around, probably with tear-filled eyes and a trembling voice, and said, there are none. Now watch Jesus. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now, let me give you these, these five things real quick out of this story. Watch. How did Jesus treat this woman? What did Jesus do in this situation when it came to judgment? Number one, he refused to look down on her. That right there, that right there would kill half the Baptists in America. Because they all about criticizing somebody. Preacher, what do you mean? I'm talking about she is caught in the very act. This is not a rumor. This is not a maybe. She was caught in the very act. But Jesus still didn't look down on her. How many times have we looked down on somebody that sinned different than we did? And we thought their sin was huge. While ours was not a big deal. You know what Jesus said we do when we do that? We're looking through a two by four. Amen. Let me hurry. I got five seconds. Number two, he not only refused to look down on her, he wouldn't allow the mob to treat her as a thing. You know what we need to do? We need to let every sinner know we got their back. I don't think y'all responded well enough with that point. Did y'all get what I just said? Every drunk in Coleman needs to know, buddy, we got your back. We got a place for you here in, 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 in Temple Baptist Church. We got a seat with your name on it. Don't you worry. You come like you are. We'll sit right beside you and welcome you in. That's what that means. Amen. Going to have to preach harder on that, I can tell right now. Number three, he forced the mob to consider their own sin. Now, I think that goes with what Jesus has been saying here in Matthew chapter 7. Before you look at somebody else's, make sure you take care of yours. Y'all with me? Now, here it is. Now, that is for the judgmental crowd. That is for the hypocritical. That is for the, the mean-spirited. But now, it's for the permissive side of this equation that says anything goes, watch what Jesus says. He did not justify her behavior. He wouldn't refer to her action as anything other than sin. Hey, listen, just because, just because we have a responsibility to treat everybody as Jesus would treat them and love them and care for them, that doesn't mean we ignore sin. Just because we have a responsibility to preach love, that doesn't mean we can ignore sin Half the preachers on, the, on TV need to get this. We still have to address sin. We still have to address disobedience. Watch this. He wouldn't refer to her action as anything other than sin. 
But watch this. Here it goes. Here it goes. <laughs> when you are operating in judgment and judging someone and admonishing someone and encouraging someone and challenging someone with their behavior, this is what he did. He forgave her and challenged her to stop sinning. You're to never challenge somebody. You're never to admonish somebody and get on to them about their behavior so you can look spiritual. Because according to the Bible, that makes you the weak one. You're to do it to help them get better. And all God's people say it. Next week, Lord's willing, if you'll pray and ask God to help me, we're going to look in Romans, uh, Romans chapter number 14 on this same subject. This is primarily with dealing with sin. Romans 14 is judging each other according to opinions and preferences. You know them people that, that, that like the traditional music and think you're, you're a hellion for liking contemporary? Or vice versa? Hello? Well, I tell you about... Oh, careful, careful. Is it an opinion? Well, it's my conviction. Yeah, but it might not be theirs. If you <laughs> uh, here's your homework. Romans 14. Read it. Romans 14. See, you think that this is just a modern-day issue. Paul had to deal with it way back then. People trying to force their own opinions on somebody else. Isn't that amazing? Lord, help us. In Jesus' name, make them do their homework. Amen. <laughs>